You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. So it's Colossians 2, 9 through 12. <clears throat> and this might get your attention. There's uh, a verse in it about circumcision. <laughs> what? And of course, circumcision in the Old Testament is this physical thing that represents something spiritual, the, the unclean being taken off and the, the clean being made new. And so to not go into, into any details with that, I'll just read the verse. So Colossians 2, <clears throat> verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And I'll pause there and say, if there's ever any doubt... If Christ is God or not, here's one of the verses. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity, God, lives in bodily form. And in Christ, this is a verse about us. In Christ, you, everybody say me. We have been brought to fullness. That's, what, that's why I'm reading this verse, this idea of the, in Christ, we've been brought to fullness. And then it says, for he is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision not performed with human hands, but your whole self ruined by flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. This idea going back to the first part. In Christ is the fullness of the deity. So in Christ is God. Christ is God, and in us is Christ, and Christ has raised us to fullness. And so that's where I want to start this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have made us whole. God, as we talk this morning about relationships, specifically friendships, God, I thank you that inside of us, with Christ in us, we've been made full, and that with that fullness, we can go out and be a friend. We can go out and lift each other up. Because you are inside of us. We're not dependent upon a relationship. We're not dependent upon a friendship. We're we're totally dependent upon you. And with you inside of us, you are like a wellspring of life. We can can then pour out and be a blessing to our friends and be a blessing to the people we end up marrying. Be a blessing to individuals in our lives. So God, we love you and we praise you. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you a story about coming back from this place. Um, that little dot there is an island called Ibiza, Spain. Anybody ever been there? Really? Sweet. One person, maybe two. He wants to go there. Um, so I want to tell you a story about coming back from Ibiza, Spain, uh, and how it radically changed my life for the better in a huge God way, and I recognized the fullness of Christ in me. It was a bus ride back from this place. But first, I need to preface the story with uh, some interesting, maybe, facts about my life growing up. Here's a little picture I just randomly found of me in, like, sixth grade. Oh, everybody say, oh, what a cute little kid. Oh. Um, I was really, there I am smiling. Um, I was really thinking back to my sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, and then even before that, like fourth grade, third grade, I, I had moved around a lot. My, my dad was in the military, and so, uh, go military. Um, and so we moved around a lot, and I was always like, in being a military kid, always like finding new friendships that I had to make. And I always had this, um, like a very low self-image of myself, uh, you could call it low self-esteem. You could call it, oh, he's just very shy. Um, it was hard for me to make friends. I was afraid of what 
people might say about me. And so I, in my mind, it was just like, I'm just, it's better off to avoid people because they might make fun of me. Even when someone says something nice to me, I took it as like, like sarcasm. Like, oh, you really like, like someone's like, nice shoes, Joe. I'd be like, thanks. But in my back of my head, I'm like, are they, are they really just like nice shoes, dummy? Um, like really, really just low self-esteem, low self-image of myself through uh, the elementary school, especially in middle school, where so many of us struggle at that particular age group. And going into high school, just I was there, I was the kid. Like I would move to a new school, and we we moved around a lot. And I was just so like I was just like I just want to avoid people. I want to avoid them making fun of me. Um, and so I was the kid that would like avoid the cafeteria and like go hide in the bathroom during lunch until I had enough courage to go eat lunch in the cafeteria. Um, everybody say, aww. So that was me. I was, uh, there's, during uh, like these years in like this sixth grade, there was these kids that were constantly like making fun of what other kids were wearing, like that, what they dressed. And, and I lived in, at that time I lived in New York and there was this big demographic between really rich kids and really poor kids. And I was like the poor kid that got the special lunch. Um, so I didn't have the nicest clothes, and I had to, uh, th- so they would catch me sometimes like, wearing the same thing as I wore that week, and they're like, oh, you wore that t-shirt on Tuesday, oh, and I was, and it's just like, I was just like, I'm just going to throw this shirt out, and I'm never going to go to school again. I hate everybody. I hate myself, um, which is in some weird way, like maybe where, why I wear the same thing every day, if you've ever noticed that. Um, I'm like, forget those kids. I will wear the same thing every day. I got 20 black t-shirts. Um, <laughs> So, so anyways, um, so I found Christ. So s- s- jumping ahead in my life, uh, we moved as a military family to Germany. I, I was stationed at, my dad was stationed at Ramstein. Anybody ever Ramstein? Really? Like, that's amazing. Uh, so Ramstein alumni represent. Um, so in Germany, uh, I moved there and uh, I started going to this youth group. And I, I had never gone to a youth group before. And I remember I was first like blown away with how nice people were. And I thought they were joking, like, Joe, we're so glad that you're here. And I was kind of like, really? Like, you want to make fun of me? Or like, I was really like blown away by how nice people were in this youth group. And come to find out like there's something real inside of them, Christ. And, and with Christ, you, you're, you know, you encourage each other if you're in the body of Christ. You say nice things. You're not mean to each other. And so I became a Christian in my sophomore year in the winter and then in the spring, a few months later, went on this spring break trip uh, with my youth group to Ibiza. And here's a photo of all of us. Uh, I'm there on the left, like the third guy standing on the left, like my little head's poking up. Um, I would zoom in, but it's, it'd get really pixelated. Anyways, we go from Germany to Spain. There's like a 24-hour bus ride to Ibiza, Spain for this like week-long, um, lots of sessions and worship uh, about Jesus and who you are in Christ. And as a high schooler, it was just like the most awesome week you can imagine, being on the beach, hanging out with your friends 24-7 for like all week and making new friendships and finding Christ and worshiping and being connected with the bond of unity. It was just so cool. And, and it was that week that, that like something clicked. And so going back to the beginning of the story, coming back from Ibiza, Spain. So there's a little bus uh, in the 24-hour ride back to Germany. Like something just was like, boom! Like something changed where I recognized that in me was Christ. And that this idea of like, like I was always before this, as we're going to talk about friendships today, I was always like, you know, if you're going to be my friend, then you're just doing me a favor. I mean, I'm, I'm a horrible 
person. I, you know, I have low self-esteem. I'm just, you know, a, a loser. And if you're my friend, then you're doing something nice for me. Thank you so much for sitting next to me. Thank you so much for talking to me because I, I felt like I was a loser. Um, but as I became a Christian and grew in Christ, something happened at that retreat, and I recognized it on the bus ride, and it was just like, boom, like night and day difference between who I was before and after that bus ride because I was like, Christ is in me. I I could be a friend to someone because I could give out of the deep wellspring of life and I could give someone a cup of cold water figuratively out of my soul because Christ was in me and Christ, the fullness of the deity lives inside of me. And so it was, sometimes I talk about like the spiritual gift of of a sense of humor and uh, it's not listed in the Bible as one of the spiritual gifts. But during this bus ride, like I got a sense of self respect. I got a sense of like crisis in me. I, I would say like that's when I developed a sense of humor. If you knew me before this time, you would not think, oh, Joe's a funny guy. He's a confident guy. He could speak to people and he could be a friend and he could connect people. You would not think, you would just think here's a very shy kid that's like hiding off in the corner. And so on this bus ride, I was like going around and encouraging people. I had a friend named Bo Bannister. And in the back of the bus, me and Bo put on the Bo and Joe show for like 15 hours long. And it was basically like a late night show where we'd have like different guests. Like re- this is like all on the spot. Like we'd like call people up and like interview them and like they would like share and like we'd have a stupid human tricks. And it was so, it was just like insane difference in my life because I realized Christ in me and it was just a radical, miraculous change where I began to be, have true friendships with people. And I'm still friends with my friend Bo Bannister. We email, he's in uh, Iowa and I'm here. But anyways, that's the story of me coming back from Ibiza. So we're going to talk about friendships quickly today. And um, welcome to the Mill Sunday School. If you're new to the Mill Sunday School, there's uh, little visitor cards on your table. We'd love for you to fill one out. Uh, on your way out, you can uh, leave it with the people in the back. They'll give you like a gift baggie. I think that's what like every church does nowadays. So you, if, you, if you're like church shopping, you probably have 15 million pins and CDs and books from every church around the, the Colorado Springs. But So we'll do that too. Uh, so there's a CD back there and a, a book that Brady Boyd wrote. And I think there's a pin in there if you want. Anyways, if you're new, we'd love to send you an email. I'll call you. There's a box on there that says a call would be nice. And if you check it out, I'll give you a call. You could test me if you want. Um, So anyways, as far as fall retreat goes, that's next week. Who's going to Mill Fall Retreat? Yes. So the Mill Sunday School is going to be canceled next week. There's no Mill Sunday School next week. We are going up into the mountains as the community of the Mill College and 20-somethings. And there's still time to register. There's all this week to register. If you raised your hand, if, if you saw, if you're thinking about Fall Retreat, raise your hand again if you're going. Talk to one of these people. If, how many of you have gone in the years past? I guess a different question. So talk to one of these people and ask them how cool it is. They'll say, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so we go up into the mountains. I think God does something um, when we set aside time for retreat, like retreat from our lives. We go way into the mountains, like literally that direction, into Winter Park, uh, Fraser, Colorado. We spend a, week, uh, a weekend at this camp. Uh, it's a Young Life camp, so it's really cool, and they have lots of cool, fun stuff to do. But as the mill, we worship and we pray together. The theme is Surprised by Joy, which is, we're stealing it from C.S. Lewis's book, but C.S. Lewis stole it from a poem, and so we, we feel fine stealing it from everybody. Um, 
And it's this idea that we can be surprised by joy despite circumstances of life that are not happy, despite humbling circumstances in life, we could be surprised that we find joy in those situations. So if you're thinking about going, I would highly encourage you to go. The price has stayed the same. It's 165 and includes everything, the bus ride, the food, uh, everything. So um, yeah. If you want to go, you could sign up online. You could come visit us in the mill office, and we'd love to help you register and tell you more about it. So there we go. Shall we, t- shall we start? Shall we start? To- let's just start. So let's talk about conversations on the family, relationships. Specifically this morning, I want to talk about friendships, a very important part of our life. I think I would be say the obvious thing, and instead of you don't have any friends, you know, the, the even more exaggerated than that, if you lived your life in solitary confinement, which uh, would be a very bad decision, uh, you would end up being very weird. You would end up being, um, psycho- you would have psychological disorders if you lived for long periods of time. Lots of studies have been done on people for their punishment, their torture, have been put in solitary confinement. And it's like a week or two weeks, and you start to be psychologically different than you were going in. Like we as human beings need other people to talk to, to interact with. And of course, that would build onto a friendship. And so um, one of the ideas that I think why friendship is so important is represented in this picture here picture image of something. There's three people. This painting was painted in the 1500s, 1400s, the 15th century by a guy named Andrea Rublev. Um, it's a Christian icon of something. Maybe you can guess what it is. Three people. It looks like they're eating together. They're at a table. They're all facing each other. What could this painting represent? The Trinity. It's an artist's representation, of course, of the Trinity. It's the three persons. Uh, of course, this painting lacks like the, the oneness of God uh, within the three persons, but like any analogy, any painting that's going to fall short of representing a true God uh, that, that, that we worship. And so the Trinity, think about it for a second. Pause and think like our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we say there's three persons, one God. And so within the person of God, um, is three persons. And that's a mystery. And we, we've spent time talking about the Trinity and how that mystery works and explaining things that we can explain about it. Because scripture is clear, like the verse we read this morning already. You know, in Christ is the fullness of the deities. There's, God is Jesus. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is a part of that Trinity. Jesus says, I will send one like myself who will be with you. And so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Community, three persons. God is not a single monolithic being that's solitarily in confinement by himself, but he is three in and of himself. And if, it, if we have truly been made in the image of God, well, then I think a part of our life is uh, that we are built for community. We are built to live with each other. We are built, and I think it's so obvious that we as human beings with the image of God have this deep desire for friendships, for marriage, for, for living together, for sharing life together. And so today I want to talk about friendships. And before I talk about that, I think we all have these great um, expectations of friendships. Maybe some of you have friendships. You're like, yeah, we're BFFs. We're best friends forever. Anybody have a BFF? Yeah. Um, so I just want to say, this is kind of like a side note, maybe you could say rabbit trail before we talk about uh, friendships, but there is a lot in the Bible about choosing good friends. So 
Later on, we're going to assume that you've chosen a good friends. Uh, but there's a lot in the Bible to be said about how you should not have a friend who is a fool. And so I found this icon that I thought was pretty funny. Mr. T pitying the fools. Um, no fools allowed if you're old enough to remember Mr. T. Um, Proverbs 13.20. Proverbs 13.20 says... Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. So in other words, if you have wise friends, if you walk with them, live with them, experience life with wise people, you'll become wise. And then the opposite. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. So if your friends are fools, they're dummies, if they make bad decisions, well then your companionship with them, you're going to be a fool. And then you're going to be pitied, according to Mr. T. Right? (laughs) Anyways... Everybody lighten up. Are you coming down from your sugar high? Is that what's going on? Those donuts? You're like, oh gosh, I'm sick. Well, you shouldn't have eaten four. You don't, you shouldn't, just because they're free doesn't mean you eat four. Anyways, another verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Just pretty simply put, don't be misled, Paul's saying. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. So this idea of like, well, you should have friends. Well, that doesn't just mean go out and pick any friend. Because some friends are fools. Some friends will lead you into wrong decisions. Some friends are bad company. And bad company corrupts good character. And so if you're in a friendship like that, where a friend is dragging you down and you know it, uh, then get out of that. The, the, the lesson today is for lifelong friendships, but the friendships that are holy. And I think if you're asking the question, like, how do I know if my friend is dragging me down Uh, Another quick rabbit trail that I've talked about here before in the Mill Sunday School before we get on to what we're really talking about is this quadrilateral of revelation, how we know something is true. And so if you're asking the question, like, I have this friend and and, and, uh, maybe they are a biblical fool, like they are leading me astray, they are corrupting me, Um, you could run that decision by something called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I've talked about it before. Maybe I'll talk about it again sometime in further detail. But very briefly, you run decisions by, first of all, at the top, the Bible. Is, is this person acting biblically, Christ-like? If they're not, well, then they're probably not good to be a friend. They're probably corrupting you. Uh, your experience of them, like what's your gut feelings say? about them? Like, what, what do you sense from God? Should you be friends with this person? The other side, what is your community telling you? Is, is your other friend saying, this guy is trouble, this girl is trouble? Are your parents, pastors saying, maybe you shouldn't hang out with this person? You know, I think that person is rubbing off on you in the wrong way. Is your community telling you that you're hanging out with a bad person? Well, then maybe they're corrupting you. And then finally, just natural observation. If you uh, observe them doing stupid things and, and dragging you down, well, then They probably are. Um, So don't be a fool and don't be a friend of a fool. So that's kind of a rabbit trail side note of this lecture. So now assuming you have good friends who are not corrupting you, who are potentially lifelong friends, who are potentially uh, BFFs, I think the first thing in my mind that comes to mind when I think of friendships is what is represented by this picture here. A cute little dog. Is Is that a lab? Or a golden retriever, sorry, golden retriever, are just known for friendliness. And, of course, dogs are known to be man's best friend. Why? Because of an L word. It's called love or loyalty is what I was looking for. <laughs> right? Like dogs are loyal. Like you have a dog 
as a kid, you go pick out this puppy, and then the puppy grows older, and it's in your family. Like, it's a part of your household. It's a part of your family. And then eventually, the dog will probably end up dying before you do, because the dog years thing and the calculations of seven. Um, you'll end up outliving your childhood dog. And so this idea of being loyal, like the dog, no matter what, is loyal to the family, loyal to its master. Loyalty, I think, and friendship have to go hand in hand. Here's a bunch of verses about loyalty, uh, just three actually. Uh, Proverbs 26, Proverbs 26 says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty. Oh yeah, I'm loyal, I'm loyal. But who can find a man who is truly trustworthy? Proverbs 21, 21. Uh, says, he who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. So if you're pursuing righteousness and loyalty, you're going to find life and righteousness and honor. Like loyalty and loyalty to other people, of course, is extremely important. Hosea 6.6, 6, for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice. This is God talking, that God would rather see loyalty than, than your sacrifice to him. Um, and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So knowing God, being loyal to God, is more important than what you even do. Um, And I think that means a lot to friends. Like friends um, being loyal, like, well, of course we get into arguments. Of course we say things that hurt each other. But we live life and we live in such a way that we remain loyal because friends are friends forever. If the Lord is the Lord of them... Everybody grabs a, and a friend will not say never if the Lord's the Lord of it. <laughs> I remember this song coming out like in the early 90s or something. And at high school, like it, for some reason, it wasn't cheesy. And we'd get together and sing this song. And like looking back, I was like, that's the cheesiest thing I can think of. Why did we do that? Um, <laughs> but there's some truth, of course, in it. That's why it's such a popular song. That's why you all know the song. Friends are friends forever if the Lord is the Lord of them. Written by Michael W. Smith, a good Christian singer from the 80s and 90s with the cool... Does he have a mullet in that picture? I think he does. I could kind of see the back, like the party in the back there. Anyways, um, <clears throat> this bigger idea of this lifetime of friendship. I think in our 20s, if you're college and 20-somethings, you will go through... Lots and lots of friends in this season of life. And, and who the friends are that begin to stick with you through your 30s and 40s and 50s and hopefully 60s, 70s, 80s, potentially are being made right now, like in your 20s. Maybe you, you have friends now that you could say, yeah, we were even childhood friends. Um, I know for me, I moved around a lot. So for me, like the first friends that I can remember having that I still have now would be that bus ride. Like going back to Ibiza, Spain, Bo Bannister is one of my lifelong friends that we still keep in contact with. Um, and this idea of, of being friends for a very long time, that friends are not just for a season, that true friends, uh, biblical friends, are not just for like a semester. Like, oh, we're class buddies and we study together. And then as soon as the class ends, the friendship ends. Well, that, that's not like a, a long-term, a lifetime friendship that I think the Bible talks about as, as being very important to our lives lives as Christians, as, as believers of having these lifetime friendships. So anyways, up here is a logo, a lifetime warranty logo. And I think we have as a society in the marketing uh, kind of hijacked 
this term, lifetime warranty? Because how many items, I mean, you think about it, um, I'm a big fan of like, if something says, oh, it's got a lifetime warranty, I'll like pay more for that just because it has a lifetime warranty. How many, how many, anybody else like me? Like, oh, like, ooh, lifetime. It's just like five of you. All right, so I'm going to say a couple analogies and it'll only apply to the five of you, but try to keep, try to track with me here. Um, so remember like a couple weeks ago when uh, Scott and Bethany Palmer were here? Anybody? Uh, the, the five money person. One of my per- five money personalities was a security seeker. So I'm like, ooh, I get really excited if something is like a lifetime warranty. But over the years, I've been very disappointed by uh, uh, marketing um, definitions of what a lifetime warranty is. A couple years ago, I bought a jacket and then the jacket uh, zipper broke and the jacket is lifetime warranty. So I contacted the manufacturer and, the, and they were like, well, how long have you had the jacket? And I was like, like five years, about five years ago. I don't have the receipt anymore. And they were like, well, you know, it's really the lifetime of the coat, not your lifetime. And I was like, well, what's the lifetime of a coat? And they're like, like two years. And I was like, well, then say two-year warranty. Don't say lifetime warranty. Because I was like, but the coat isn't alive. Like, I'm alive. This, I, the lifetime of me. Um, and they were like, nah, not so fast. Um, or uh, a couple companies that uh, I, I won't name. Like, really, I was really impressed with these companies, like outdoor adventure clothing and companies have re- used to have lifetime warranties and now have stopped their lifetime warranties. And it's like, but... I bought this stuff, and at the time, it was like lifetime warranty as, as long as I own the product. It's like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. It's not really lifetime. Or some of you will find this example very strange and unusual, but I still own the same car as I have since, like, high school. Um, for me, that's a long time because I'm, like, 35 years old. Um, so I've had the same car, and I've bought parts, and over the years, I've bought lifetime warrantied parts. And so back in like 2004, like I remember that, that's like nine years ago. So you probably don't even remember where you were. You were probably like in elementary school when I was buying this uh, ignition module for my 1990 Ford Escort. But I bought an ignition module for my 1990 Ford Escort in 2004. And then just this last year, it broke. So I was like, sweet. And I still kept the receipt, like miraculously. Um, and, and I brought it in, brought the ignition module and this receipt into an auto parts store. I was like, look, I have the, the, the lifetime warranty. And they're like, wow, look, this thing's like almost 10 years. Look at that. And they're like, look, look check this out. <laughs> and, and they were like, well, we just don't carry that part anymore. It's been like 10 years, for goodness sakes. And I was like, oh, like, you don't carry it. I guess I'll take my money back and, and go buy it somewhere else. And they were like, well, we don't, we don't give refunds. I mean, it's been 10 years, for goodness sakes. And I was like, but yeah, your lifetime is for as long as I own the car. Like, I expect to own this car in like 50 years, have the same car. And they're like, well, it's been 10 years, man. Like, you can't expect us to replace it. And I was like, what? It's a lifetime warranty. And I think, I think our, like, as we as uh, Americans, we have this different definition of what a lifetime is. I think, unfortunately, uh, many marriages, you know, we, I just did a wedding last week. That's why I wasn't here. I married uh, a friend of mine, Jesse, to his wife, now Emily, and we did the vows and said, in sickness and in health, richer or for poor, until death do us part. And they both said it, and they said, I do. Um, and that covenant was established last weekend on Saturday at uh, four o'clock, and, and it's till death. But I imagine if it's like 50% of marriages— There'll be something that breaks that lifelong covenant, uh, uh, disagreements, uh, infidelity, whatever. 
if it's like 50% of marriages, there'll be something that breaks that lifetime covenant. And it's like, well, what are we really saying when we say lifetime covenant? One more example. When I was a kid, I went fishing with my dad every Saturday. He'd like wake me up uh, and we'd get in the truck when it was still cold. He, he had a, like a little fishing boat trailer. And this was in New York uh, before we moved to Germany. And we went to a little lake called Delta Lake. Here's a picture of me with a fish. Look at that thing. I'm like, yeah, look at this walleye. Um, so every Saturday, we'd go fishing. And before we went fishing, on the way to Delta Lake, it was our uh, habit to always stop at the Dunkin' Donuts on the way. Anybody Dunkin' Donuts? Um, so we'd stop there every single Saturday on the way to fishing for like years. Um, we'd, we'd stop at the Dunkin' Donuts. He'd get a coffee. I would get a little donut and a hot chocolate. And at some point, the manager, or maybe it was a store owner or a district owner, knew that we went there every single Saturday. So he gave me a gift. It was this card. It's a credit card on it, uh, which is pretty cool as a five-year-old. Like, look, I got a credit card. Um, and on the back, it said, uh, this card, I wish I had it today. I, I lost it again. Um, but, but at the back of it said, the, the, this person, and it had my name on it, Joe Kirkendall, uh, is entitled to one free munchkin donut every time he goes to Dunkin' Donuts for the rest of his life. And here's, here's a, here's like, you know what a munchkin is? This, and this one isn't from Dunkin' Donuts, because I'll tell you the story. Um, I, I, we got Dunkin' Donuts every Saturday. I, I continue to get these munchkins with the back of it says, for the lifetime. I mean, I expect to be 90 years old getting my munchkin donut. Um, but I had lost, I lost the card and I couldn't find it. And then we moved around as a military family. We moved to Germany and then back to Utah, New Mexico, uh, here, then California, then back here. And then just a year ago, I was looking through this old box. Guess what I found? The credit card, like lifetime munchkin every time I show up to a Dunkin' Donuts. So it's like, sweet. And I brought it into a Dunkin' Donuts, and I was like, I would like one free munchkin, please. (laughs) And you know what they said? They said, you know, we really don't do this anymore. This card's like 30 years old. And it's true. It's like 30 years old. It's like, we really don't do this anymore. And I was like, what? Like, it's a lifetime of Dunkin' Donuts. And I think sometimes, uh, because we're all in this boat of, and I understood, I was like, you're right, it is 30 years old. Uh, but, but I was like, but it says lifetime. Um, and they were like, no, we just don't. I just don't do this anymore. This card is way too old. Um, and I think about friendships. And here's a little image of some <laughs> friends. How cute. This idea of how unusual it is for our American culture to be friends forever, to, to truly, we throw around the term BFF, but think back for just a second and think about how many BFFs, different ones you've had over the years. If you're like so many of us, you've probably had lots of BFFs, friends, excuse me, best friends forever. Think about how many friends you've had over the years that have been, different friends that have been BFFs, and it's probably for good reason. Maybe like, the, oh, we just grew apart, or oh, you moved from one state to another, and we lost friendships. And I want to encourage us as Christians in here to, like, beat those odds, to actually change the definition of lifetime 
to actually mean lifetime. That, that there's friends you have now that will be friends in 10 years, will be ten, friends in 20 years from now. And that the unlikelihood of that, the miraculous thing of friends remaining friends after 5 years, 10 years, 15 or 20 years from now, or even lifetime friends is so rare but so beautiful when it happens. Here's some verses about true godly friendship. Proverbs 27, 17. A couple from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17. You've probably heard this before. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man or one person sharpen another. Like friends can sharpen us. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Do to one another in showing honor. Out, excuse me, outdo one another in showing honor. Like this brotherly of affection, phileo is this type of love. Uh, 1 Samuel 18 talks about Jonathan and David being BFFs and how Jonathan made a covenant with David and loved him as his own soul, like this friendship that lasted their lives. Proverbs 18.24, there are friends who, dis- and it's, it's in quotations, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother, closer than a sibling. And finally, Proverbs 26. Many will say they are loyal friends. Like, oh, I'm loyal, I'm loyal. But who can find one who is truly reliable? So hopefully this encourages you. Um, Hopefully maybe you're thinking through which friends uh, will be friends for you in years to come. I have some friends... um, that we have been meeting for accountability. We call it accountability, but it's really just us. I guess it's accountability. We meet for meals and lunches, and uh, we make time for each other. We've been friends for, gosh, like since 99. What year is it now? 2013. That's like 13 years of like meeting together consistently. Like just next week on, on Friday, we're going to meet for lunch and talk about our lives and ask each other how we're doing. These, these friends of mine know secrets about me that no one else knows. These friends of mine have been with me for the last 13 years of, as we've been meeting. And our plan is that we'll be old men like in McDonald's and 5 a.m. drinking coffee and meeting together because that's what old men do. Um, that's our goal. Like We're like, yeah, we're foxhole friends. We're lifetime friends. And even if we move, we're going to stay in contact because of this friendship and this bond and how we pray for each other and how we uh, just relish this friendship. I think of the quote on um, the back of the, there's always a, a sweet quote. There's a C.S. Lewis quote on the back of the notes. And C.S. Lewis says, is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends? And then he says, by a good fire. Like this idea of just relaxing together and being with each other. Um, Is there any pleasure on earth more than a circle of friends by a good fire? I think that that should be how it is. Like this pleasure of deep lifetime friendships. So here's a discussion question. We'll lighten the mood for just a second, you could turn to each other and discuss this. Hopefully, my intent on this was to, to get you um, conversing and kind of smiling and enjoying this conversation. But I imagine this could be a very serious question, uh, so I don't want to overlook that. But this question, can you have, maybe it's like the age-old question, can you have a best friendship with someone of the opposite sex without the tension of a relationship? Have you heard this question before? Everyone's like, ooh. Hopefully it'll be a fun. Just talk about it for a second. Come to an opinion, either yes or no, if you had to choose. I'll give you like three minutes. Ready? Get set. Discuss. 
All right, so if you had to choose, and I know like everybody in here is like, well, maybe I want to choose the middle ground. Let's pretend for a second that there's no middle ground. Uh, just to pretend, I know everybody would want to pick the middle ground and say, well, maybe the yes, no answer. Um, but if you had to choose, just for fun, uh, if you had to choose either yes or either no, could you have a best friendship with someone uh, of the opposite sex without the tension? Of course, the romantic tension of a relationship was what I was asking there. Um, so I want to try to vote in this way. I have, I have a theory. So just girls vote right now. If you're a guy, how, <laughs> how many girls would say, yeah, I think you could have. Okay. And then how many would say, nah, that's about 50-50 or maybe more. No. Okay. Maybe my theory's burnt. Uh, okay, so guys, raise your hand. How many of you would say, yes, you, you can? A couple guys. How many of you would say, no? <laughs> so I, my theory was, I don't know that the theory, we'd have to do the statistical analysis of all the, my theory was that girls more likely would be like, yeah, sure. And guys would be like, no, I'm being friends with you because I want to pursue you. <laughs> That was, that was my theory. Uh, um, I, I would lean, and I, I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible that says, like, girls and guys cannot be friends without the stress of a relationship building. Um, I don't know, maybe there is, and I need to learn of that verse. But uh, I think it's one of those things that requires wisdom and thought behind it. My personal opinion is to, to lean towards the no, and I'll tell you why. The first one is kind of a humorous one. Uh, to quote George on the show Seinfeld, he said kind of about this, uh, you know, Jerry, you know how they get animals to reproduce in captivity? You just put them in the same cage. <laughs> this idea that just by proximity, you would, of course, have the tension of relationship and a physical one if you're in close proximity, according to George on Seinfeld, for whatever that's worth. Um, but I know for myself, I, uh, in college, I, I was like vowed never to date. I was like one of those guys, like kiss dating goodbye guys uh, in college. I think my sophomore or junior year of college, I was like that guy, like, oh, I'm not going to date. Um, but I had this friend who was a girl, and we would hang out together. We were in the same classes together. We were both education majors. And uh, we would talk. Like, I would say, like, oh, isn't it great how we're just friends? Like, I see you like a sister. And she's like, yeah, no, I see you like a brother. High five. Uh, and there was, there was, on my side, there was, like, no romantic feeling. We never stared at each other. We never held hands or locked arms or sat literally close or anything like that. In my mind, it was just like, oh, we're, we're friends. And, and sometimes we'd, we'd joke and remind each other, like, call each other sister, brother. Uh, and it was like a friendship that was pretty cool. And we even, like, worked together. Uh, she had this job where she, like, put, put together models, like model desks and, like, staples and stuff. And so I'd help her. And she was like, oh, I'll pay you and log your hours. And I, it was like this weird, cool thing where, like, we worked together, we hung out together, went to school together. And then one day we have a DTR and she expressed, like, some feelings for me. And I was like, oh, gosh, like, I didn't know. Like, we, you know, we talk about this. We joke about brother, sister. We joke about this friendship. We're just friends. I, you know, constantly say, I'm never going to date. I kiss dating goodbye and blah, blah, blah. And she was, like, hearing that, but, but experiencing our friendship 
was another thing. And so she shared her feelings, and then it just brought, it was just like weird after that, as you could imagine, because I was like, well, I don't feel the same thing. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And, and then we, like, she didn't want to talk to me anymore. Like, she owed me money for the job, and she never paid me still to this day. <clears throat> and I'm just like, yeah, forget it. I'm sorry. Like, I broke her heart, and I had no clue. Like, I just didn't know. So I think sometimes if you are in a friendship with someone of the opposite sex, um, you could be like, oh, cool, how high five, how cool is this that we could be friends and not be romantic, and all we're, we're unlike everybody else. But maybe one of you, either you, if you're true about it, or them not telling you about it, is somewhat, there's tension there of a relationship, um, just because I think that's, God has made us as man and woman to, to be intimate and to find a relationship. And I think if you, on the, the Sunday School Facebook page, I put this uh, link to a woman who's not a Christian, a psychologist, speaking about people in their 20s. And she says how 30 is not the new 20. And so often in our 20s, we just kind of meander through, through life and we make friendships and just kind of settle with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And we just settle with them. And then 30 hits. And then like, it's like everybody... And this musical chair sits down, and you're left standing with this person who you just kind of settled with, who you just kind of ended up with. And, and then you just get married out of like, well, we're 30. We've got to get married quick. Uh, that's what you do. We've got to start having kids. Uh, we're going to die soon, um, <laughs> is my take of the video. But you can watch it for yourself. I posted it a couple of weeks ago. But this idea of, um, I, I just want to bring up this idea of how a friendship um, a true friendship, and however you answer the question, yes or no, um, I think I just, I just want to talk about this word, which is a word we don't often use. Uh, this chastity is a word that's used in the King James Version. This holiness, this purity of a friendship um, to be uh, without sexual desire. In the Greek, there's different words for love. Maybe some of you know that. There's phileo and eros and agape and storge and actually a couple others if you're uh, really getting into the study <clears throat> of love that you might find. <clears throat> and in our word, English word, we just have this word love. And so we say, oh, I love pizza. I love my brother. I love my wife. And it's all the same word. And you're like, that's kind of weird. Um, I must really like that stuffed crust. Um, <laughs> but this idea of phileo, Brotherly love, a love that is between siblings. It's a non-sexual love. It's a love that uh, two people can have, and it, it, it doesn't have to be sexual. Um, to make a very side note, I think so often as a church, we either totally ignore uh, the issue of homosexuality, or sometimes all people hear from the church is, oh, if you're gay, come to the church, we'll, like, we'll make you heterosexual, we'll de-gay you or something. Um, and I think there's, there's another very viable option. Me and Glenn Packiam were talking, um, and he said, you know, in early Christianity, there's this very viable option of being cha- chaste, to, be, to, to have chastity, to have deep friendships uh, with, with someone of the same sex, to have so, deep friendships with someone of, the, of, of different sex, but it, to be a holy relationship, a brotherly love, um, and how, how you can live a life that is set aside for God. I, th- I can think of several people that I personally know of that are in the church and have told me or have been open about uh, how they struggle with homosexuality and how they, they, they desire, uh, their desire is not for a heterosexual relationship. And I think sometimes all they hear is, you need to 
become heterosexual and they're homosexual. But I think another option is to just be chaste in your relationships, to have deep, loving relationships that are not sexual. I think in our culture, if you look at any like love story, Hollywood movie, two people meet, they fall in love, and if they really love each other, well, then there, there's, there has to be a sex scene or a scene that just, you know, of, of course what they just did was sex. You know, they went to bed together and then they woke up together and had breakfast. Of course they had sex because that's, that's all we can think about as Americans. It's like, oh, if you love each other, love equals sex. And of course that's not true. In the biblical sense, there is different types of loves. There's this agape love, a friendship love that can be more, so much more valuable and lifelong and, and totally in comparison with a marriage and its, its sexual nature. And we talked about sex last week when Brad Baker was here. So I want to conclude and as we talk about uh, friendships. And of course, um, this whole series has been about relationships and uh, specifically marriage ones. But I wanted to take the time this morning to talk about friendships because my theory is that how you do friendships in your teens, in your 20s, is, is how you might do marriage a few years later down the road, if that's in, in the road for you to get married. That when you get married, of course, the, um, the, the cliche is, oh, of course you marry your best friend, you know. I've, I've said that at weddings, being very original, as if no one has ever said that before. Today you marry, you get to spend the rest of your life with your best friend. But of course it's true. Of course your BFF, your lifelong friend, is a spouse. And um, I think how you do friendships and how you, your personality of friends, and if you are constantly going through friends and kind of, some might say, looking back, you took advantage of your friends. You were friends for a season, and you just kind of used them to study with, or you used them uh, to learn something. You used them to experience something. You used them sexually uh, in that relationship or whatever. Um, if, you're, if you're just going through friends, well, then what about this godly friendship? And I think a godly friendship uh, between a husband and a wife is, is the goal. It's the goal of a good marriage if you find yourself becoming married later in life or now. Um, And so to end this idea, to go back to like my original story of going back on the bus from Ibiza, finding ourselves in Christ, if we're rooted in Christ and found in Christ, well then we don't need, like I don't need to take something from you. I don't need to, to, to use you or abuse you in our friendship. Well then I have, I have Christ inside of me and I can give. I have Christ like a well, and I could take water out of that well and give it to you, and I could be such a great friend. I could try to outdo you in how much I love you and how much I can serve you. And so I want to I take this time and, and just pray and, and kind of close. And then afterwards, I have a discussion question for you. I'll kind of um, tell you what we're going to do next week. We're going to have a panel of people, uh, different uh, ages in their marriage, Hopefully we'll have like a very young married couple and then like maybe a 10-year married couple and then maybe like a 20-year, 30-year plus married couple and we'll, we'll do Q&A with them and I think it'll be really fun uh, to get their on-the-fly responses. And so uh, they're on your table should be enough cards for everybody to fill out a question and then you could either just leave it on your table, you could bring it up here, uh, you could bring it to the back, we'll find it, we'll get it if you leave it around. Um, you could fold it if you want to be secretive about it. Um, and so we'll, we'll answer some of those questions next week. But I want to close today in prayer um, this idea of friendship. So to some of you who are 
in your 20s, like marriage seems like a crazy far thing away that, that might never happen. Um, statistically, I think almost all of you in here will be married, statistically speaking. Uh, so there was much rejoicing. Um, but I think now, if you're not in a relationship, it, now, if you're not married, well, then the relationship that you do have is with your friends and, and of course, family. And I think so often we neglect friendships as Christians. And so let's pray this morning. Jesus, we do come before you and we ask that you will be inside of us in such a way that we can be good friends, true, lifelong, loyal friends, friends that reflect you and your nature of the Trinity, you and your nature of goodness and righteousness and holiness. God, would you convict us right now if we have friends in our life that maybe we've, we've stopped being friends with them or we've been mean to them or mad at them or broken it off for fear or because of hatred. Lord, would you convict us right now to, to, to rekindle those friendships, to apologize where apology is necessary. God, we, we thank you that you've put inside of us this desire for friendships, this desire to, to be like you, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to find true community and, and fellowship and friendship. Lord, we thank you for that. We, we bless your name. We love you. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.